The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Back to the short game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by all of my fancy co-hosts: Nate Heininger, Laura Nash, and Shane Kelly. And uh, this is our belated 2023 game of the year episode. Uh, the holidays really bit us in the ass this year, uh, so we're bringing it to you here. Uh, well and truly into January, uh, but I am excited to talk about our picks for Game of the Year. A uh, little bit of chat first about how we do our picks and, and how we arrived at what we're going to be discussing. Uh, so we're doing the same kind of format that we did last year, if you've been with us since then. Uh, we have a Game of the Year picked out, uh, and then we just have we have a few other superlatives, other awards that we have uh, decided to bestow on some of the games that we have played this year. Uh, some of those are returning awards that we have awarded in the past, some venerable old awards that, that you know and love, and some are new, uh, and some others have been retired. So we're just going to kind of go through our list. Uh, anybody have anything to say about 2023? Yeah, I just wanted to add to, um, you know, that this... This list that we're going to go through is uh, we, we we pull from the games that we either covered on the show or at least discussed like on frequent episodes. So surely, you know, we know this. There was a lot of fantastic games in 2023 and we did not get to all of them. It was actually kind of a crazy year for gaming and that mm-hmm. it was maybe one of the best years of all time for long games. And it overshadowed a lot of the sort of indie scene and the the types of games that we cover. And it also absorbed some of our own time. This year, we did an episode, the short game did an episode on Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's <laughs> Gate 3. So even we couldn't avoid the the allure of these massively popular titles. I'm, I'm beginning to think that was a mistake. By the way, the, earlier this week, I, um, you know, somebody had a post on the Nintendo Switch subreddit asking for recommendations on short games specifically. And so I, you know, I chimed in and said, hey, you should check out the podcast. And we've got a lot yeah. of, you know, big back catalog. And the first comment on my response was like, Baldur's Gate and Tears of the Kingdom? What the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no. I also recommended it. destroyed our credibility. <laughs> you try doing a weekly video game podcast and not talk about Baldur's Gate 3 and, and Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, it did come up right after I gave a presentation where someone said, and Laura has a podcast. And a bunch of people were, it was right after the Baldur's Gate 3 episode. And they're like, you're not on this episode. And also it's Baldur's Gate 3. And I was like, go back. Literally one. One. Just, don't just go back one. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, but yeah, it, it's an incredible game for, incredible year for games. But our short game list is probably smaller than it has been in some of the previous years between our edition of including more topic episodes and some mm-hmm. of these bigger games taking away some of our time so certainly we missed something but still like the indie game scene i think is is pretty strong the short game scene is strong and so i'm excited to uh to go over some of these games that we we played in 2023 
Um, yeah. We cannot say that we didn't have enough games to celebrate, given how long this episode will probably end up being and how long we discussed all the things you wanted to give out for awards. So we're starting yes. off with a caveat. We didn't play everything, but we played a lot of good stuff. We played, yeah. yeah. We covered a lot yeah. of and, and speaking to that, Laura just said, like, the way that we de determine all this, we basically just get on a call and we hash all this stuff out. And just like we did last year, and I think also the year before that, um, that mm -hmm. recording, uh, you know, if you happen to be the sicko who wants to hear how the sausage gets made, um, our patrons do get a recording of that. I don't necessarily think it is like the best listen. It is a lightly edited uh, <laughs> chat between the co-hosts where we determined what was going to get awards. But if and you're I curious, keep yelling you about how you need to go to bed soon. <laughs> yeah, there, so, yeah, there's a lot of us discussing our schedules. There. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll do my best to take out any dead air in it, but uh, that's that is available if you subscribe to the Patreon. All of our patrons uh, get access to our wonderful Discord community and also uh, whatever that was. Uh, but yeah, so we've got uh, we've got a whole list. We're just kind of gonna go through it and talk about some of the stuff that we played this year and uh, the marvelous awards that we're going to give it. Uh, and uh, we'll just stop beating around the bush and uh, and start. Insert huge fanfare here. Here they come. Red carpet. And start with the short games game of the year. Aren't they looking lovely? Reagan is wearing a full tuxedo, by the way. Big old bow tie. Always looking great. He's got a his Game Boy Advance in his front pocket. Well, here it is. Your short game game of the year 2023 argued and fussed over by our entire uh, crew, uh, Slay the Princess. Woo! I loved it. Uh, we did a whole episode on it, and so you you can just go listen to that for all of our various thoughts. But I, Slay the Princess, you know, it, it, it speaks to the kinds of games that we love on this show. It is, uh, it, it is one of the most elaborate and sort of lavish interactive fiction games published this year. Uh, I think, you know, it falls into a lot of our various little uh, little areas of obsession. Mm -hmm. uh, it has uh, horror to it, but it's also very funny. It has a uh, a British narrator. Don't you love those? I uh, do. It's, it has really strange and interesting art. It just has an unbelievable amount of content. Uh, it, it's really, really cool. Uh, so I, I had a wonderful time with Slay the Princess this year. I think it's uh, it, it, I think it got lost in the shuffle a little bit. And I think it's the kind of thing that if you missed Slay the Princess this year, you absolutely ought to go back and check it out. I think it's an incredible game. I think we are. Um, th this m might be my threshold, my limit on um, goofy meta narrator stuff. Mm. Um, I kind of was. I kind of was thinking maybe maybe this isn't going to hit uh, in that way, like because that is the um, it's a it's a, getting to be where it's a trope in indie games, like you know, very much beginning with the Stanley Parable. Mm -hmm. That said, like this one had everything I love. I I I would be remiss if I didn't once again um, sing the praises of Jonathan Sims, who I think does a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. of filling the role of a uh, creepy British narrator. Um, and I, I just think in terms of a simple structure and great storytelling um, in a style of game that I, I don't often like really 
love that much, you know, the sort of visual novel style, like um, it really, it really hits home. And that's especially because of generally quite good writing, but especially voice performances that yes. nail the tone for horror. Um, yeah. And uh, so huge praise to Nicole Goodnight and Jonathan Sims, both um, they, uh, they both, they both have this great chance to show incredible range and varying different diverse takes uh, on these characters through this kind of meta narrative. It's a great story. It's a great game. I'm, I'm really glad we had a chance to play it this year. Oh, and if you had told me before I played this game that I was going to love it, I would have been like, sure, a horror game with a pencil art style. I'm not really feeling like it's a looping meta visual novel, which I like fine. Uh, and then I played it and adored it. Um, I think this game really exceeded my expectations and I'm really happy to give it game of the year. Yeah. I'm also looking forward to giving it another try. This is a game that is short enough that it really does invite additional playthroughs. It has a breadth of content that makes replaying it absolutely feel like worthwhile and, and you know, 100% can't wait to, to play more of it sometime when I have an, a minute. Um, but also they announced uh, towards the end of the year that they are doing an update to the game in 2024. I don't know if they have a specific date yet called Slay the Princess, the Pristine Cut that is adding a bunch of additional content, including uh, several new chapters, uh, significant expansions to several chapters already in the game, and more to be revealed at a later date. Um, mm. And I think that's great. I think this has the structure that that totally allows for expansion, throwing in some new content if they, if they can put it together. Uh, apparently, it was financially successful enough to allow the, uh, the studio to continue working on it a little bit and and put out uh, this is going to be a free update on all the platforms that the game uh, is currently on. And so I'm probably going to loop right back to it and play some more, uh, maybe once that comes out or or a little before. Will we have the patience and foresight to save it for our Halloween episode? Probably not. Hope never, Springs Eternal. Never do. <laughs> <laughs> when have we ever managed that? Name one year we've actually done a Halloween episode. <laughs> no, this year we did. We did, did it this year. Yeah. We've got we've we've actually gotten better at it over the last few years. I think we've done it two two years in a row. We've done a. I mean, arguably whether this year was a spooky game, but uh, it had a pumpkin yeah. in it. It did have a pumpkin <laughs> in it. Well, before we move off of game of the year, um, Laura wanted to give a special award. Not just me. Um, no, not just you, but almost just you. <laughs> <laughs> Almost just me. So um, the what uh, we we're temporarily deeming the short hike award in honor of Reagan saying a short hike is the best game I played this year and no one else played it, so I can't give it game of the year. Um, we have a slight modification of the two people played it game of the year, um, which is Chance of Sinar, which uh, Reagan and I just recorded and loved. But um, we wanted to pick something that everybody had played and everybody universally liked because, let's be fair, Chance of Sinar is so up my alley. It's absurd. So um, really wanted to celebrate that one, too, because it's a really special game. Maybe if we hadn't played it two weeks ago um, and more people had had time with it, uh, we might have debated a little harder. But I, I do want to yeah. give it a special praise because it is an extraordinary game. Um, we just really like a game of the year everyone's played, if we can. 
I, I propose that we call this award Demi Goatee. Uh, and <laughs> sure, it's, Why it's not? a real problem that we've had over the years is that like, this is a, a show with a rotating cast, essentially, you know, there are yeah. the four of us, but, but, you know, I would say most episodes have three of us or even potentially two of us. And so that means that sometimes when there is a really, really great game that we love, it just, it just feels weird you know, for, for example, for me and Laura to say, and the game of the year is Chance of Sennar, a game that half of the podcast haven't. Yeah. Hasn't and this is I not a one, new problem. This has yeah. happened many times in the past, but we just yes. haven't voiced it. And if we'd played Chance of Sennar in February, we would have had time to bully our co-hosts into playing it before game of the year, but that right. wasn't the case here. I do not mind if you guys choose a game like Chance of Sennar. I, for, you know, as a um, sometimes host and sometimes listener of the podcast, I know <laughs> when there is a game coming that might not be up my particular alley. Um, a game full of language puzzles is mm-hmm. not up my particular alley. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's that, sometimes it's scheduling. But um, I absolutely love, I adore listening to this podcast when I am not on it. Um, because you know, that's just, that's just super fun for me. It's becomes, it goes from being my podcast to being my favorite podcast. So, um, I do like hearing my friends talk about video games. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Why would I do this if not? So, um, yeah. And I, I think in the future, if we have, uh, you know, a, a situation like this, I, I, I'm, I'm not against us, uh, picking the game, uh, from the minority candidate. Fair enough, but to be clear, I do not I do not regret our ordering here. Mm-hmm. I am happy with our choice of, of Slay the Princess, which I think is a hundred percent deserving of short game game of the year this year. Uh Chance of Sonar, however, does rule. So it also makes me think of Slay the Spire every time we say it. And that makes me a little <laughs> happy too. So works out Love for our all tower of us. games. Uh yeah. but Nate, I believe you're going to introduce probably the award yes. our listeners care about most. This It is truly an honor, Laura, to be able to present tonight's award. Now that we've gotten all that out of the way, let's move to the stuff that really matters. The main event. That's right. I am introducing this year the Dirtbag of the Year Award, arguably our most well-respected, most impactful award we hand out every year. This originated with May from Night in the Woods and has seen such uh, storied award winners as the goose from the untitled goose game we had moored from ocean uh, white ocean big jacket we had the unseen boyfriend from unpacking and last year's ambrosio from immortality so i mean what a cast right anyone who is awarded this this prize is really joining some hollowed halls so Mm -hmm. um I look forward to Dirtbag of the Year every year. I look forward yes. to it maybe more than picking out a, a game of the year because you know what? It's a little lower pressure and it's much more fun to think about <laughs> what the, the best Dirtbag of the Year was. Well, and some years it's a real challenge. I mean, Dr. Robotnik was on the table this year. Mm-hmm. Dr. Robotnik <laughs> was available. As was the narrator from Slay the Princess who the gets Slay the sassy. Princess narrator. We had a lot of um you know eligible contestants this year 
Mm-hmm. It really depends which version of Dr. Robotnik you get, whether or not you yeah. include him in the list. Because there are some Robotniks with a very clean, very spherical aesthetic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, it's hard to say if the murder of Sonic uh, dirtbag or uh, uh, Robotnik was truly a dirtbag. And that might have actually been points against his favor in this year's competition. So we'll see if they continue that. Uh, but let's get right to it. This year, the winner of the Dirtbag of the Year award is none other than Pepino Spaghetti from Pizza Tower. Uh, hey. Uh, Mamma hey. mia. <laughs> it couldn't have been anybody else, man. No, it had to be Pepino Spaghetti. What a uh what uh, one of the biggest takeaways from that entire game is the character of and the character art of Pepino Spaghetti. He's the sweatiest man in video games. Um, if we did a Wario of the Year award, I think he could fit under the Wario of the Year award as well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Listeners, if you missed that episode, please simply imagine a deranged Italian pizza chef uh, being trailed by anthropomorphic ingredients mm-hmm. uh, running like an absolute weirdo. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting game with quite a backstory. You know, like all the games we're going to talk about, we did a full episode on it and uh, definitely recommend you check it out as a platforming lover. Um, I, I truly enjoyed Pizza Tower. It wasn't the like my favorite game of the year, but there was this game had style and charm and dirt baggedness. <laughs> dirt baggedness. I, I mean, I'm on record as loving that game. Dirt bag since May. You're our, right. Our originator. Hmm. Is it the is it point. the first? It's the first uh, dirt bag that can jump in like six years. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Ambrosio could jump. <laughs> Do we see I, it? Was that ever seen on film? Sure I don't count. know if I believe you. I'm pretty sure they all can, can jump. jump. Just question. we never see it. BK from Donut County is mostly hole based yes. and not jump based. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we we have a we have an award specifically for characters with a jump button that we'll address yeah. later. Correct. Do you jump as the goose? I don't think you jump as the goose. No, no. Well, you, can't, you can't even you can flap, but can you flap? I forget. Yeah, you can, yeah it's you part of the flap. honking animation. You flap, but does the flapping do anything? I never. No. I don't think that you ever Scares use it people. to like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, anyway, congratulations, Papino Spaghetti. Uh, what an award. Truly an honor. Um, congratulations to everyone involved. And if, if folks out there didn't play Pizza Tower, like I think it is the most unique platformer of the year and yeah. one of my favorite platformers, maybe of all time. I mean, that's going mm-hmm. pretty far because I've played a lot of platformers, but it's it's a really incredible game. And I know yeah. it is not for everybody. You know, I think I it's totally, totally fair for folks to bounce off that game, much as Peppino Spaghetti bounces <laughs> off of the walls uh, when he is running at full speed. Uh, but you know what? It's it's different. It's a different game. I, like. I, I really love it when we cover games that have um, really weird looking curves to their star reviews uh, when mm-hmm. you look them up on like Metacritic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this game, this game is fantastic, but it's got a lot of ones. <laughs> and, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I I think that means that if it's for you, you're going to love the hell out of it. So Pepino is uh, it could be your friend or your enemy. Yep. Yeah. If it's for you, you're going to love it. And if it's not for you, it's 
gonna be really interesting figuring out <laughs> why it's not for you. That's what yeah. I. That's my pitch. Uh, you you pick a game with a dirtbag of the year for a weird time, and that's that's the promise we can give you. But um, I'm gonna transition to the opposite of the dirtbag of the year, mm-hmm. which is our Galerius of the year. And for those who did not play or unfamiliar with the Forgotten City, Galerius is the uh, incredibly helpful character. Um, a Galerius is dependable, your friend in a time of crisis. Um, and although there was deep competition, again, from the narrator, what a weird thing that the narrator was up for dirtbag and Galerius. Uh, from Slay the Princess, but we're going to give it to that light thinger from Cocoon, the flashlight yeah. that follows you around. That's like the Come flashlight. Come on down, button. light thinger from Cocoon. Your little light buddy. Your yeah. light buddy. I mean, is it a flashlight? Is it a bug? It's incredibly helpful. And was I one of the only people on the podcast who recognized it was pointing where you needed to go? Yes. But <laughs> Galerius you know, it's helping you whether or not you notice it. And that is why we are so happy to give it to the light finger. Here's the thing about Galerius is that the, the, the thing that makes a character a Galerius, in my opinion, is that Galerius as a character was not just a good guy, a solid bro, does good things for you, but is absolutely vital to the mechanics of the game. Mm-hmm. He is, Galerius is both a bro and a mechanic. And that I think is a big check mark for the weird light thing from Cocoon. It may not be the key mechanic or the, well, actually, key mechanic is a bit of a good way of putting it. It is a key. It's <laughs> yeah. literally a key. A key. But may we all be a, both a bro a, and a mechanic. Yeah, it's not the most important mechanic in the game, uh, but it is an important mechanic. But it's also something that you look at it, and despite the fact that it is just a glowing shape, you instantly know friend. Yeah. And uh, so cool that's, yeah. that's why it's a Galerius. It's incredibly helpful in a puzzle game to have something like that. I think that if we are to go full circle, the light thinger should be uh, should at the end of the game be elected magistrate. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was not on the episode for Cocoon, but I I did play it. It was just a scheduling thing, and I absolutely loved the game. And I was very dependent on the little light thinger to tell me what to do and where to go. So I... uh, I have full support of uh, Little Light Thinger this year. We love a helpful friend. We do. We do. And um, the, I, I think one thing our listeners might be noticing here is that pretty much all of our uh, kind of favorite, um, uh, uh, pretty much everything that we're highlighting here is about the characters in our games. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are a podcast that loves games with a great story, with great characters. And, um, you know, that's why uh, in video games, um, we we have to always pay homage to the original video game guy, Mario. Uh, wow. And we have once again given up a chance to choose Mario as our Mario. And instead, um, we will be choosing as best Mario for 2023. Moira from a Highland song. <laughs> Congratulations, now, Moira. Moira. Congratulations, Moira. You were a platforming character uh, in a game that I did not expect to have a lot of platforming. Um, your name is an anagram for Mario in what is clearly a reference to the fact that out of nowhere, uh, the um, 
the story game people decided to make a jumper and <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I, I respect you, Moira. Um, you have the distinct honor of beating out uh, Sonic the Hedgehog as Mario of the year. Yes. <laughs> I, I campaigned for uh, Sonic the Hedgehog from the death of Sonic the Hedgehog uh, to be Mario of the year simply because I think it is very funny. But uh, the fact is that he didn't jump in that game, no. at least not really. There were those little really. uh, like yeah. interstitial levels, but I think he didn't jump and he lacked the power of anagrams. Yeah, yep. anagrams. We you underestimate the power of a good anagram in an award show series season. Mm, you know, yeah, it's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do think it's uh, it's kind of key to this award that you have a jump button, um, mm-hmm. and and yeah. you know maybe maybe even more so uh, that you just be a Mario, which she clearly was. And Sonic, mm-hmm. say what you will, not a Mario. Mm. Do the Mario. Why didn't we cover I have I have said this before, but why did we not get a chance to cover Super Mario Wonder? Uh, a game 2024, baby, I'm us. playing it now, Shane, and I, I want to talk to someone about it. So we'll we'll do it sometime in this hey, year. I will happily use this as an excuse to buy it, even though I was not yeah. supposed to buy it until I finished Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, if if nothing else, this podcast is is an excuse to buy video games. So I give. Why do you think we've been on it for this many years? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm doing my job when I'm playing this game. Mm -hmm. We make dozens of dollars off of this, guys. (laughs) Thanks, patrons. Thanks, patrons. Patrons, we really do appreciate you, and and your your Patreon dollars do go to allowing us to uh, to do things like uh, buy video games that our partners and spouses have politely asked us to not do so uh we appreciate you patrons yeah. i'm that in love with you, you. <laughs> that's true each one uh, individually i'm in so, love with each of you no i think reagan we all know that uh your spouse is just happy that you have things to do oh, <laughs> so. oh my god <laughs> Three children. I think Reagan has plenty to do. This is true. I really. Um, Well, on things I. Speaking of two player games that I played with Reagan, um, Curse the Golden Idol did not come out in 2023, but we are giving it the late to the party award partially because we had so much time playing it together, even though it's tactically a one person game. Yeah, this is an incredible game. And I think if we had, if it had come out this year, it would have been in the running for our game of the year this year. But this is a problem that we run into as a podcast. You know, we play a game uh, in February that came out in September. And then that poor game has fallen into the no man's land where it becomes ineligible for game of the year, right? Um, So we have done this number of times now. We have a special award, the Late to the Party Award, for the best game that we, we aren't able to give a game of the year award to because of our tardiness. And uh, man, Golden Idol was so good. Like, I'm, I'm so, so glad that this is becoming kind of a genre. Like, and it's, it's also Laura and I have played a lot of these to get, well, 
two of them. It's a lot uh, together. Now we played um, Obra Dinn uh, mm-hmm. together kind of on a stream and really enjoyed it. And honestly, I would never have been able to complete it if, uh, if it hadn't been for Laura basically carrying me through some of the more difficult uh, it, puzzles. It helps to have an observer. So you were just as valuable, just seeing things that you, another person seeing things is super helpful. Um, so helpful. Uh, and then golden idol was in many ways, uh, I think like, Obviously, it, it wasn't quite as like visually wild as uh, Obra Dinn, uh, although it does have its own very odd and interesting visual style that I did it come to wild really plot like. as well. But yeah, wild plot. Um, I thought its puzzles were a little more manageable rather than sort of feeling like one gigantic uh, Uber puzzle. It is a little bit more manageable, um, but it has that same you know thing. It's got this. Like I'm not usually – if you'd asked me like a few years ago before I played Obra Dinn whether I liked like deduction mystery games, I would have said absolutely not. And something about the the innovations in this micro niche of a niche, yes. uh, it's, it's turned me around. This is like my favorite thing now. I loved Golden Idol. I loved Obra Dinn. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm looking for and playing – other things in this subgenre, you know, we found a lot of similar stuff to like about uh, a chance of Senar because it, it employs some of these same mechanics in ways that really, really were exciting to see, you know, expanded on and, and tried in new ways. But yeah, Golden Idol, we played it early this year and it is a short game all timer, man. I think it's a great game. And there's new stuff coming out this year. I can't wait. There's a DLC. Or, no, wait. a sequel. There's already a been sequel. a DLC. There's a sequel coming out. Can't wait hopefully if it comes out in 2024 we won't wait until february to play it i commend you guys for not being trapped in uh, the cycle of wanting to review the new hotness um it does help our podcast's stats of course you know we want to show up in people's searches for their current new video game loves but um you know there there's really something to be said for being um more of a um more of a film critic than a movie reviewer if you know what i mean being um being a little bit more uh taking a little bit more of a step back and being more selective about what we play for the show and not being trapped on a treadmill of current uh events and what's new um it's for for episodes like this you know, it certainly is nice that we're able to look at all these things that came out this year, but there are there are a lot of great games out there, and I would love for our podcast to cover more classic and um, you know uh, important games in 2024 uh, than we than we did this year, rather than keeping up with whatever's dropping at the same day and date on Polygon and things like that. Yeah. Hey, uh, listeners, if you have a, uh, a specific suggestion along those lines, something I can't believe that five years ago, the greatest game of all time came out and the short game never got around to it. Like, hey, let us know, especially on our discord. Yeah. This is a this I, I think it's a good uh, a, a good thing for us to be thinking about and carrying into 2024. We've also been discussing doing more retro games. So going way back and looking at, totally uh, agree. you know, looking at uh, every game technically at that point was unless you're looking at classic JRPGs and whatnot, so many were short, um, but which ones really stand out and what should we play for the show that fits kind of our model? 
Well, our first non-recurring award, uh, best reissue, is on the same thing. I mean, everything exactly. old is new again. Shane, tell us what's the best thing yeah. that we played and replayed. This one was so fun for me because, uh, as I already mentioned earlier, I am not on every single episode. And one of the ones that I skipped out on uh, a little while ago um, has been reissued. So I'm nominating it for the best reissue of the year. Games being reissued and kind of remade is kind of a trend in the gaming industry this you know past few years. Um, a few years ago, I don't remember what year it was, uh, you, Laura, and Reagan covered a game uh, on the 3DS, I believe yes, it was. Yes, we did. Ancient I was a part of was, this as well. I loved this You game. were on that one? Yes. Okay, yes. so the game was, was Pocket Card Jockey. Pocket Card Jockey... Um, I don't. I don't think I even listened to that episode at the time. <laughs> I don't like, think I had oh, the hardware yes. to lay it on. <laughs> yeah. And um, this year, it was re-released on Apple Arcade, and so I hit download the instant I saw it. And what a fantastic game! This is not something I would have thought would have been for me. Um, it's basically a solitaire game with a cute horse, um, but. That said, it is incredibly fun and addicting, uh, and it has just a perfect vibe and aesthetic, and uh, the gameplay is just a re... It's somehow takes something that I would have thought I would hate, which is solitaire with a timer, and gets me invested and gets me hooked. And uh, so huge recommendation for this. Um, I, I want us to keep an eye out for more things that are being reissued. I love the idea of things that were on older platforms being re-released on services like Apple Arcade as well. Yeah, totally. I loved this game. Um, it's a mashup you didn't know you needed. Horse racing and solitaire. It works way better than you would expect it to. It's charming. It's fun. Highly recommend it. I mean, it's one of those games that I never would have tried if I wasn't recording this podcast. I would have been like, <laughs> hmm, horse racing solitaire game. Cool, moving on. But uh, <laughs> no, I love this game and I'm so happy that it's accessible to more people. I absolutely loved it too. And I, I'm, I'm so glad it's a, it's a, available again. Things like the 3DS is a great console. If you don't own a 3DS, I do recommend picking one up while they're still available and in reasonable shape. But like, you know, it's, it's the writings on the wall, like the, the store shut down for it. Like it's it, it's a dead thing. And, uh, you know, don't let that stop you. You know, like there's ways to get games on the thing now, but like, it's, it's not, it's not, it, <laughs> nobody really knew is going to be like stumbling upon the original pocket card jockey. And it would, it was so sad for that to be, uh, marooned on 3ds Island. Right. So I, I'm so glad that it got a proper re-release and, and it included some nice updates too, like some 3d graphics for the horses and stuff that were not in, present in the original. Really nice. Um, on that same vain i wanted to give a special call out and special award for best mobile game of the year um and this is because i uh i don't play a lot of mobile games anymore like there was a time especially early in the podcast where, where i think we all played a lot of mobile games mm -hmm. i played a lot of games on my phone i played a lot of games on my ipad and as the years have gone on i've kind of moved away from that i i you know the kinds of games that i play on my phone has really changed um i almost never like if i'm picking up my phone cuz i'm bored uh playing a game on it is usually not what i do you know i typically have 
something like a play date in my pocket I would rather pull out and play. Or, you know, if I'm sitting on the couch, well, you know, my my Steam Deck or my laptop are probably not that far away. And if I'm going to sit there and play some games, I'd usually rather do that. But uh, this year, uh, a listener told me to play After Place on the iPhone. And I I can't be more grateful to that listener. And I, I don't honestly, I think I, I picked it up because I was going on a trip or something. And I, I was like, oh, well, this seems like something I could play, you know, one-handed while waiting in the TSA line or something. This game blew my mind. It it's it's like a game from another uh, timeline where the indie explosion never sort of shifted away from the iPhone. Um, so Afterplace is if you like uh, uh, the um, it, especially if you like Zelda likes, especially that's essentially what this is plays like a Zelda like, but. If you like, if you would like to play one that can be played one-handed with a portrait-oriented iPhone or Android phone, um, this is that. But it also has uh, it. It obviously takes a lot of influence from its uh, from you know the retro games that are part of that genre. But it also takes a lot of influence from modern retro-styled games, especially Undertale and other things kind of in that orbit. Um, so it has an interesting story, interesting characters. It was an incredibly involving game. Um, we did a whole episode on it where I basically gushed about it for ages and uh, made my co-hosts check it out. Um, and I had been worried that this was like, you know, when it, when this game first came out, I thought it was getting completely ignored. It seemed to really not be getting a lot of press originally. Like I saw a couple of reviews from a couple of like very mobile game focused outlets, et cetera. Um, after that, uh, I've been really pleased to see that it's gotten a lot of uptake uh, in you know other gaming circles. People have continued to discover the game all year, and it also uh, got uh, awarded and uh, like best mobile game or something like that as part of the Apple Design Awards this year, which I thought was a big surprise considering it's not exactly like out here trying to like shill the latest and greatest Apple tech. It is a multi-platform game. It's available on Android. I think there's just somebody at Apple who, you know, failing, so they didn't have any bosses breathing down their neck and gave it to what they really thought was the best mobile game of the year. And it is, it is the best mobile game this year. So if you haven't played After Place, you have to check it out. If you, you know, you have a phone, it, this is the best game I've played on my phone in years. Um, I, I don't quite say that it's the best game of the year, but it's not that far off. It's an incredible game. Um, and I, I, I hope more people continue to discover it because it's, it's fantastic. Very much agree. I also want to call out that I think this game packs a lot more character into maybe the smallest possible sprites uh, I've seen in a long time. It specifically won the Delight and Fun Award for best. Uh, Is that the the Delight and Fun winners for best game, which I think is. 100% 100% correct. It is, uh, I don't like the word quirky often, but I think this one deserves it for the proper deployment of quirk. Like, I was charmed by this game. I think it's yes. a very worthy uh, award winner of our prestigious awards and Apple's mm-hmm. less prestigious awards. That's right. <laughs> Cheeky, yes. Yeah, I think we're more prestigious than Apple awards. They just hand those things out at this point, except for for this one, which was well-deserved, of course. Um, I'll also but, say uh, that Pocket Card Jockey right on got a finalist for <laughs> the whimsical fun in uh, game as well. Nice. 
Nice. So maybe they have um, some taste. Well, sticking with mobile games for a moment, I spent more time on an airplane this year than I have in quite a long time. And um, and just in airports and a lot of places that had a lot of downtime. And that led to me sort of digging through the depths of my phone, seeing what I had installed when I kind of got tired on the plane or in the airport of, of listening to something or playing, you know, threes or whatever. And I remembered I had a, a game that I absolutely loved that we covered on the show. And I played an absolute uh, ton of Isle of Arrows, which is a mobile game, a really unique uh, tower defense game. I love tower defense games and you just don't see them getting um, any treatment above the sort of same thing that's been happening for for a very long time. And this one has sort of a, a Carcassonne style tile placement element to it where not only are you uh, building the towers and the sort of defense structures, you are also building the very path that the uh, enemies will be going down and besides the game being really beautiful and and interesting it's also incredibly challenging which made it worthwhile and and useful as an airplane uh game for me so this is getting the best airplane game award uh so if you find yourself going on a flight anytime soon i highly recommend you download isle of arrows does not require an online a connection to play is fun and is challenging and uh i spent a lot of time with it so uh great game absolutely Excellent. totally agree on this one um i i think it, it it revitalized my interest in tower defense games yeah i love tower defense games and and like i don't know i'm sure there's a whole section of these games that i, I just have like blinders on too and if if you're out there and you know of some really good ones that maybe work for the show too, let me know because um, I'd love to play them. I know we've almost covered the Orcs Must Die series a few times. Yes. Um, which I think has a, I've played them. I played two of them, the first and the second. They have like a really cool bend on uh, on on tower like defense games, tower defense <laughs> games. But outside of that, almost all of them are these sort of like freeware. You know, there's just a path and you're just going to drop towers and it you drop towers to build more towers. And you drop towers to build more towers and you eventually get bored with it. So if you're out there and you know of a of a unique take on tower defense games, uh, let us know, because I'd love to play more of them for this show. Yeah, you know what? That's totally like listeners. If you if you what is what is the latest ideas in in tower defense? Like I would love uh, some interesting new takes on that. And I feel like there's room for it. Yeah. So that'd be that'd be awesome. I have absolutely no segue to our next award. <laughs> um but I'm just going to say it. Uh yes. we are going to give the I'm hungry and I'm crying award to Venba. Mm-hmm. Oh, Venba. It is such a delicate and touching and funny game all at once. It'll make you hungry. It'll make you really regret eating Indian food from Trader Joe's rather than going and getting something homemade. Mm -hmm. Um, This game is a 
one of the shortest we play this year. It is worth every second of your time and packs so much into, I think, under two hours. Yeah. Vimba's incredible. Yeah, I I threw this out as a candidate for game of the year because I really think this game highlights the type of stuff that we love to cover on this show. It tells a Mm -hmm. unique story, a unique life perspective that means a lot to a lot of people, but maybe is not talked about that much in media. Um, And it is paired with a fun little mechanic. It's nothing crazy, but you are you do get to make this, uh, you know, delicious looking food. And it has like a little tiny challenge up to it, just enough to kind of keep it interesting. But mostly you're just learning about this family and and a little bit of the culture. And it's a great story. And yeah, I, I think I, I made this same joke on the, on the episode, but like I ended the game being hungry and sad and I loved that. And that is maybe the only time I've ever felt hungry and sad and was glad to be feeling those feelings. So it was, uh, it's a great game. Yeah, really lovely. I loved its vulnerability, and I think I'm so glad we were able to give it uh, a little extra special award because it's definitely worth talking about in a best of the year conversation. Yeah, I sat and played it in one sitting, which even for mm-hmm. our other short games that are of similar or even less length, that is something that is seemingly increasingly challenging for me to do is sit and play a single game for like two hours straight without getting up or doing anything else. And I played I was, it I after work. I, I ate dinner, played it after work, finished it, and then immediately recorded the podcast. And I think I was crying as I joined the call. I was like, <laughs> sorry, everybody. I just finished. Uh, I just hit uh, credits. <laughs> very good. And it's on Game Pass, or at least it was. So, yeah, like, sure mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. You know, it's been a good year for Game Pass for me too. Like, I think I played more in year two than I played in year one. And I was not really expecting it. Um, but yeah, like this yeah, is... Cocoon was on there. Um, mm-hmm. Cocoon this. was incredible. And what a great yeah. game to... What a great game to play on uh, on a, you know, like on a TV with an Xbox Series X or S rather. It ran fine on, you know, most of the stuff that we play will run fine on there. Like, you know, you can get it for couple hundred bucks console and you can do hdr and everything yeah this show is not brought to you by microsoft but hey microsoft if you're listening it could be yeah (laughs) anything could (laughs) um the next uh, superlative on our list is one that I uh, I don't have a proper name for, um, but that's appropriate because this is uh, the – what is a game of the year? Uh, what is a game really is the question. And sometimes we have games, quote unquote, uh, that make us ask that question slightly more than other games that we play for the show. Um, games where I – I loved it, just absolutely adored it, ate it up, and then suggested it as a game of the year. And other folks kind of said, is it really a game, though? We have this conversation entirely too often. Um, I think we have it about once every two years. We have it very <laughs> seldomly, actually. Well, it comes it comes up it comes up a few much, around, I think. Uh, uh, <laughs> this game in particular, uh, definitely I Microsoft think, Excel. <laughs> <laughs> there are actual games in that though 
Yeah, that's true. I have seen uh, I have seen some of those like Excel championships, like the M made, you know, the the um, the like Twitch streams of people doing like Excel wizardry. And stuff. Oh, like there, there was an embedded racing game. Oh, I haven't heard about that. There used yeah, to be an embedded racing game in it, and they, they eventually took it out. Excel definitely can be considered a game depending on your perspective. And so can South Scrimshaw. But no, we're actually talking about PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I guess this is a lot closer to PowerPoint than to Excel. Uh, South Scrimshaw is pretty much a straight-up slideshow, uh, but it is one of the best things I've played this year. Um, so if you missed that episode, South Scrimshaw is definitely using visual novel uh, format and medium, basically. It's it's made using visual novel tools, but it doesn't really have any branching or choices to speak of apart from occasional uh, opt-ins for additional content or additional, like, you know, uh, additional narrative that you can kind of divert into and then back into the mainstream of, of you know, of text and, and word of spoken audio and, and imagery. Um, but South Scrimshaw is first and foremost, I think, an absolutely phenomenal work of art. Um, this is a uh, a game yes. by uh, the developer Nathan O. Marsh. Uh, I believe this is his first time creating a game, but he is a longtime visual artist with a special fascination with sort of fake uh, contrafactual animals and environments. And it's it's truly, uh, it's truly amazing. This kind of takes the form of, you know, using this sort of slideshow visual novel presentation along with fully voiced audio and sometimes animations to, to kind of uh, pretend to be a nature documentary from the far, far future set on an alien planet uh, populated with incredible variety of ocean species. This whole planet seems to be primarily made of oceans. Uh, and there is a special uh, species of whales there called the Brillo whales. And this is sort of like a nature documentary that follows the life of a, from birth to question marks of a, of a, a newborn Brillo whale. The Brillo whale species, I won't spoil the details here, but lives an incredibly strange lifestyle and are just visually totally arresting. Uh, fascinating creatures uh, to have been thought of by this guy, Nathan O'Marsh. Uh, every single, I don't know what you want to call them, screen, slide, scene of this is a gorgeous painting. Uh, it's it's just absolutely stunning visual art. Um it also was pretty emotional. There are moments where the whale is in peril and uh, I felt it like you do in a good nature mm. documentary. Uh, there were moments of whale triumph. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, whale loss and pain. Like it, it, is a, it is a more emotional story than you might imagine for a thing about a fake whale. Um, and also this is South Scrimshaw part one. There is apparently more of this on the way and I will eat it up with a spoon. Yes. Um, and uh, this is a game that is uh, that this developer, this artist, Nathan O. Marsh, uh, offered up to the world totally free. So this is on Steam, I believe also maybe elsewhere on itch, maybe things like that. But you can you can just go to Steam and, and search for South Scrimshaw and get this and you can download it for free. It will run on Windows and Linux. There is no Mac version of this, um, but you could probably figure out a way to play it. It worked fine on Parallels for me. Yeah, good to know. It's um, beautiful. And uh, if you if you love it as much as I did, uh, you can throw him a bone and buy the fifteen dollar 
PDF, basically. There's the art of South Scrimshaw. Uh, I was a little surprised by that, but ultimately what you're getting there is an absolutely lavish art book uh, full of additional art, context, process work, context on his past work. Uh, I spent as much time reading the art book as I did playing the game, and I enjoyed it nearly as much. This is one of my favorite pieces of visual art uh, in years, so it's it's great. Uh, download it for free, play it. You will not regret a minute you spend with South Scrimshaw, and it is it is my what is a game of the year. <laughs> yeah, we we briefly considered calling this the Just Trust Us Award because <laughs> uh, if for some reason Reagan's uh, you know plea here for you to play it was still not convincing. But you're listening to this show and, you know, presumably you generally like our opinions. This is one where we're saying, <laughs> no, just we all trust like us. this. Go and play it. It sounds, doesn't sound interesting, but it's really good. Well, mm-hmm. it hopefully it sounds interesting to some people. I think Reagan described it very well. But even Reagan's, if after that, Reagan it doesn't sound it very well. Yes. Yeah. Even if it doesn't sound interesting to you, it's free. So mm-hmm. check it out. That. And yeah. very short. Yes. Um, all right. Well, in almost the opposite of South Scrimshaw, um, I've got a game that I wanted to give some love to. And before getting to it, though, a little backstory. I've I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast over the years. But at one point in my life, I worked in a casino. And I was a table games blackjack dealer. And I was surrounded by the ding dongs of uh slot machines the the noise and the absurdity and the uh, annoyance of being surrounded by thousands of slot machines and despite all that i'm creating the award this year the i'm glad i quit the casino but i still loved this game award and that's going to Luck be a landlord. The anti-capitalist, anti-landlord slot machine game that we played earlier in the year that I absolutely loved. You have it. It, it basically combines the the concept of a slot machine. You pull a dial, and these wheels spin, and you know, and it, and it randomly lands uh, from a from a number of symbols combines that with a deck builder. So instead of uh, the wheels being set like a normal slot machine, you are selecting what icons might be available to appear. And there's an an, an absolutely absurd amount of combos. The game uh, really builds on itself, and you can really create these really fun and engaging little combos. And the whole thing is to... Uh, start to pay rent but eventually fight and kill your landlord uh with all the money that you uh earn from your slot machine which is hilarious uh the whole thing is funny i think it is a deceptively uh deep game that i spent far more time than i expected to i like i played an absolute absurd amount it was great on the steam deck and I highly recommend it to anyone and everyone, especially if you like that sort of momentum building thing that that good deck builders will get you where your little engines that you've been crafting all start 
paying dividends all at the same time. And it just, you become this sort of juggernaut of your own making uh, that these sorts of games allow you to do. And I, I, I absolutely loved it. And so it allowed me to get over my hatred of slot machines. Yeah, and it, shout out to that episode. One of the ones I wasn't on and loved catching up with because I mean, you are so delighted by this game <laughs> of an episode. I was like, wow, do I need to give up my next four games I'm supposed to play and just play like we landlord for the rest of the year? Maybe. Still pick it up every once in a while. Just give it a spin. It's fun. Yeah, this is a weird one because like it it doesn't like I, you could easily miss this game because it doesn't look interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, yeah, it, you you like take a glance at this game and you're like, what is this? Like, it's a it's a weird slot machine with some weird pixel art. Like, it doesn't look it looks like nothing, but it really is a phenomenal game. Uh, it's come out uh, on additional platforms since we last talked about it. It's now on iOS and Android as well, I believe. Um, I Apple Arcade, it is it not? Is it? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's a five dollar premium purchase unless ah. they also added it to Apple Arcade. But it's like worth, a five dollar iOS penny. game. And yeah, absolutely worth the money. Uh, I've been thinking of double dipping um, just to get that version because it is a this is a stunningly weird, interesting game. Somebody, you know, the developer here had a, an amazing mechanical idea and has married it to a lot of whimsy and you know other strange, interesting ideas. And it just it 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 plays really well. It's 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 not what you think when you think of a slot machine game so i think it's great i think uh, i think more people should check this out for sure yeah i mean just just its tagline defeat your landlord in this slot machine roguelike deck builder like how is that not the most appealing thing that's ever that's the most appealing sentence i've ever read in my entire life so go play luck be a landlord i i just am eternally delighted by how um, stretched to the term r- l- how much weight um, the word like is beginning to carry in the term roguelike. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of the roguelike genre, I have I have a quick uh, uh, superlative to give out. Um, I have continued to play with my Playdate quite a bit this year. I've had a weird kind of uh, trough and valley kind of thing with it. That's not the right word, the phrase, but you know what I mean. I, I've, I've come back to the Playdate many times after like leaving it to gather dust on a shelf. Um, but I continue to go back to it. And um, th- this year, uh, I have found more games that I enjoy on the Playdate than I did in the year I first got the Playdate. And uh, there are two that really stood out to me, but I'm going to give one Playdate Game of the Year award. Uh, both of the games that I really loved on the Playdate this year were roguelike adjacent, but the one that I like the best is Under the Castle. This is a $10 purchase on the Playdate like store, the catalog store, uh, and it is worth every penny. If you have a Playdate, uh, absolutely check out Under the Castle. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it, first of all, it's a pretty traditional roguelike so you have a little guy you're you know doing your little bouncy walk every time you move all of the enemies move uh it has that turn-based aspect to well, that it. is it extremely has like combat rogue. it is very like straight it's a turn-based roguelike but it has many things that are really nice about it first of all it's it's very forgiving in terms of just like the thing, the thing that I think is best about it in terms of just like easing you in that a lot of other roguelikes don't do um, is that it gives you it's constantly giving you missions and the early ones are very easy. Go into the dungeon and kill one mob, right? And you can do that and then it immediately teleports you out of the of the dungeon. You don't have to treat every run as 
I'm just going to go until I die. Um, you, you have these missions that you can complete and it really adds something to the game. And anytime you find an item in the dungeons, you bring it out with you and it can become something that you can equip as a starter item. So as you collect items, you're, you know, it has this bit of meta progression where you're collecting items that you can equip for new runs. Really lovely. The art is also fantastic. Uh, it's like the closest to like, I would say kind of SNES style art that I've seen on the Playdate. It's like, it's really expressive, tiny pixel sprites. It's just a great game. And as a quick runner up, uh, Space Rat Miner is also roguelike-ish, but it is kind of a cross between a roguelike and something like um, Mr. Driller. Uh, it's a top-down, you know, drilling game where you're drilling through blocks. Uh, it starts off extremely punishingly hard, um, but I continue to go back to it, and I've you know done a lot of upgrades there too. Also, a ten dollar purchase on the Playdate uh, catalog store. So both ter- turns out this is the year that I realized the Playdate is great for roguelikes, um, and uh, it, it's you know it's a great little platform for that to always have something like that in your pocket for you know one quick play. So um, under the castle, great game. I need to bust my Playdate out again. Played a ton of it when we did the episode, and I picked it up here and there. But I've not explored any of these games, so I really, I really think to. we ought to do like a playdate roundup episode. Like yeah, there's been good. a lot of there's like well over a hundred games on the catalog store now, and there's hundreds on itch.io. Uh, it's mm. got a large library now and pretty varied, and some of them are in t- extremely high quality games. There's like a, a a good five or six games that came out this year that are just fantastic i'll also give a quick shout out to uh, realistic fishing which is a like remake slash reimagining of ridiculous fishing which uh you know has been delisted on the iphone for years and is uh recently came back in a in an apple arcade reimagining um but it's uh you know if you wanted that on your play date uh yeah it's it's great yeah I, i i speaking of handheld consoles um i i we we played a lot of games on uh, other systems, uh, especially the Switch this year, and so I. I but I want to nominate uh, a game for our long game of the year that was a fantastic game that I absolutely poured in tons of hours and completed on the Switch. Um, I I don't really even look at how long games take me to complete these days because um, I don't know. I'm mostly playing super short stuff for the show, but it got it got to have been. 100 hours <laughs> I, I just don't know uh tears of the kingdom is my long game of the year and i you know i just don't know if i have that much to say to our audience about tears of the kingdom uh it was um really something special long. it was very long <laughs> It had a really interesting set of mechanics and puzzles that took um, multiple different solutions, which I always appreciate. And uh, of all the Zelda games that I've ever played, it had possibly the greatest final boss fight. Um, One of the most cinematic, incredible boss fights of all time. So gotta love it. I don't like physics constructors, and I was still into the construction in the game. So yeah. It, for that alone, I got to love it. Absolutely. I think it also speaks to the absurd year in gaming that we had that like Tears of the Kingdom isn't like the game of the year just across the board for every single publication because it's an incredible game. 
Um, it really is. But I almost was feel like buried at this some point. Incredible long games. I know, Nate, you were a huge fan of the new Spider-Man. Reagan and I played a lot of Baldur's Gate 3. Really, that very, very came very close to getting my my choice mm-hmm. for this particular category. Um, but uh, I didn't beat Baldur's Gate 3 because that's long as hell. And uh, <laughs> the kingdom somehow just yeah. uh, you know what it is you know what it is I, I i can play tears of the kingdom and my son will watch and cheer me on uh mm. if i play baldur's gate 3 with him i'll have to cover his eyes constantly true. <laughs> <laughs> well as this show has matured and some of us have had uh kids this like that has become most more more. i'm the slacker <laughs> come on it's um, okay no this way yeah. we have you know zero one two three <laughs> like yeah. I have to have four if otherwise I mess up the yeah. <laughs> there yeah you would we would expect you to have four it's either zero or four it's zero or four so, yeah um but obviously the topic of games for kids and whatnot has become a a like a larger point of discussion on this show over the years and um I uh, I wanted to call out a game that we covered this year but it did come out in 2022 but we covered it this year uh, it was a game that I think we all really loved but someone in my life actually absolutely loved it and so this is the my six-year-old daughter 100 percented this game three times award and that is Lil gator game uh this was a it, it's basically like breath of the wild but for babies um it is an open world adventure game uh that you mean for it, big it, girls nate <laughs> <laughs> i do it not think your daughter would appreciate you breath of the wild for big girls um well it, it's an interesting game because it it does the main character is kids and all of the characters are kids and it is it has a childlike at um sort of vibe around the whole thing although the act the story is more geared towards like nostalgia and adults and thinking back to your childhood but um it still worked really, really well for my daughter. It's actually like really the first video game she played entirely by herself and completely beat it by herself, which was very she surprising. And she loved it so much that she just kept making new save files and just played it three times all the way through, like a hundred percenting it, which kind of blew my mind. Wow. Um, and so I just have to shout out little Gator game. Uh, I, and I love the game too. We gave it a great review on the episode and it has become this like sort of start of i think her like development in playing actual video games like this and so it's uh pretty incredible that's awesome to see well uh, i'll make this very very quick uh you know me i couldn't get out of an episode like this without giving uh an award to a weird gaming gadget uh if you've been listening you probably will already guess that i was going to say that the weird best gaming gadget of the year is the pow kitty rgb30 um, i thought it has appeal for the short game audience because uh, we've talked a number of times and done this year an entire episode on pico 8 which is a great uh sort of fantasy console um uh, th- that's a whole lot to unwrap, but go listen to our Pico 8 episode. When we did the Pico 8 episode, uh, I played so much Pico 8 that I thought, wow, I'd really like a, a more dedicated device to play this on. And fortunately, right around that same time, uh, a 70-ish uh, dollar device from a uh, from the embarrassingly named uh, Chinese emulator handheld company Pow Kitty came out uh, that has a really unique selling point 
Uh, most of these things are pretty generic. It's like, oh, looks like a Game Boy, but it has an analog stick in the middle, like that kind of thing. Um, but the Pow Kitty RGB 30 has one unique selling point, which is that it has a very unusual 720 by 720, you know, one one aspect ratio square screen, which makes it great for things like Game Boy or like Neo Geo Pocket Color, but also a, a terrific device for playing uh, Pico 8 games on. And it can run the full actual version of Pico 8, uh, meaning that you can get on the Pico 8 Splore thing where you can download games that have been released for Pico 8 directly on the device over Wi-Fi. Um, it can, you know, suggest games to you randomly. You know, it, you, it makes it very, very smooth, seamless experience to get in and out of Pico 8 games. And by getting that, the amount of Pico 8 games that I have played has absolutely exploded. So uh, I know it is a kind of a weird thing, um, but man, check out the Pow Kitty RGB 30. Uh, it came out in yellow now. Like if you, uh, if you, nice. you, the only thing holding you back was the that fact was that it, it only came in to match blue your play date or black. Yeah, I, I really wish I'd gotten the yellow one because it would match my play date. That would be very charming. It's also in green now. I think a bunch of colors. It's it's proven to be pretty successful. Um, yeah, get that thing, and you know it'll emulate all the stuff like up through basically the Dreamcast. Uh, so if you want to play, you know. Uh, you know, uh, PlayStation one on it or whatever. It's actually totally fine for that stuff too, but it is really cool for Pico eight. Uh, and I've been playing it a lot. So thought I'd give that the best game gadget of the year. I thought the last thing we might do before we uh, wrap things up uh, was everybody ends up with their little pet thing that we didn't find any place to put. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, we have a little bit of room here at the end for a one more thing. If anybody just wants to say any games that, or even just game experiences, something that you didn't get to award this year that you really wish we'd squeezed in. I'll make my very last little pitch for it uh, before the green moon. We played it this year. It's it was a new game from Turn Follow, the uh, the developers of uh, Wide Ocean Big Jacket, and it's the first time I've been able to uh, we've been able to cover a farming sim on this show. It is a short narrative focused farming sim. Uh, it has a weird N sixty four art style and uh, a really strange, interesting sort of sci fi inflected story of uh, farming in the dirt below a giant space elevator waiting for your turn to leave the planet. Um, it's, it's strange, it's melancholy, it's funny, it's really cool looking. Um, uh, and it's a bit flawed. It's not, it's not by any stretch the best game of the year, but I absolutely loved it this year. Um, so I would, uh, I would recommend checking that out. Does anybody else have a, uh, a, a one more thing? Yeah, I'm going to throw out specifically, specifically the Gunbrella. <laughs> I, I won't necessarily say the game Gunbrella, but the mechanic and the Gunbrella itself was incredible. So here's to you, Gunbrella. I hope that we see you in another game. And the game I actively fist pumped every time I saw it on a big critic list of Game of the Year stuff. Uh, Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. Literally every time I saw that on Indie Theater list, I was like, yes. Murder. Could have been Sonic. Game of the Year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, should be on people's lists. I mean, uh, another free gift to the world. Um, Agatha Christie Sonic didn't know I needed that. 
one of the best video games ever to be funded entirely by an advertising budget. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> don't know how it was made. I, I don't care how it was made. I'm too happy it exists. I think it's basically a competition between that and like the Burger King games on the 360. And uh, this wins hands down. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love those. I loved it, man. I, I hope that they do one of those every year. If we're talking about games that got made in weird ways, uh, I'm very thankful that we got Laya's Horizon. Um, mm, that one yeah. was a Netflix production. You know, that still is bizarre to me that Netflix is in the mobile games industry now. Um, but uh, I found that game to be just visually gorgeous. I think I was the only person on the show who really went deep on it to the level that I did. I loved it. I 100%ed it like to the max. I think I I was at the point where I was collecting the minuscule birds from every corner of the island by the end and uh, had I was like 99% or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I I really really adored um all of the previous Snowman games, the uh Alto's Adventures of the World mm, and still boot uh, those up myself. Yeah, absolutely. But Laya's Horizon um was uh really fresh and really really beautiful it was i yeah. am i am personally addicted to things that are in that kind of pilot wings adjacent mm -hmm. genre where you're just sort of cruising and flying around and and looking out the window of a plane or looking down and seeing a, a beautiful landscape and and getting to different waypoints and uh, i also i i did not commit to it as hard as you did but i did love that game as well uh yeah. ton of fun also, not sponsored by Netflix, but like look around at the game. I mean, both Oxen Freezer on there. Like, yeah. it, it, it's yeah. a bit. Death's Door is on there. It, the Netflix is Kentucky Route Zero is on there. Netflix bought a lot of like spent a lot of twelve minutes is on there. Uh, we're not going to talk about that one. <laughs> mm. I mean, we did. We did for a while. We did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, changing subject, uh, I, I, a game that I'm very surprised didn't come up in the game of the year conversation is Viewfinder. Um, mm. To me, Viewfinder was also one of the most visually interesting games mm -hmm. of the year. It has uh, it's really mechanically focused. Uh, it was quick and breezy. Uh, it was beautiful. Uh, and thankfully, it was a puzzle game that I was smart enough for. So I I really enjoyed it. And I, I think um, I'm, you know, I'm kind of surprised that it didn't come up in more people's lists. Yeah. Yeah. Laura and I talked about that a little bit and we just sort of felt like, yeah, it was pretty good, but it also just sort of like, um, flowed over at least my mm -hmm. brain, like water leaving no residue. I really enjoyed it, but I think this was a really strong year for puzzle games, honestly. Um, end of year having Cocoon and Chance of Sonar. Um, yeah. I mean, Viewfinder is very different, but I think like it's been a pretty strong year for puzzle games overall. So um, if like you are. I like my puzzles less, less thinky, more vibey, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Me too, honestly. But it was still a good time. <laughs> Well, I think that's it for this uh, Game of the Year episode of The Short Game. Listeners, mm. thank you so much for sticking with us through all of 2023. I'm looking forward to 2024. It's going to be a great year. This will be our podcast's 10th year, will it not? That's true. Yeah. In fact, our, wow. our podcast anniversary is coming up. Uh, I think it's like late spring, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and that'll be that'll be 10 years of podcasting. Jeez. Uh, can you believe it? Wild. What a what a ride. What a decade. Sorry Couldn't imagine it, it any other way. <laughs> 
indeed. Uh, man, should we do something special for it? We really should, but yes, we will do something special for it. No, we clearly have not we're, planned it. We're doing Gone Home again. <laughs> well. Listeners, thank you so much for supporting us through this long journey of podcasts. Uh, and you know, if you're if you're a patron, thank you very much. We really appreciate you. Uh, if you're not a patron, uh, that is the best way to support the show. You can go to shortgame.fm, and there's links there to our Patreon page. Uh, you know, you can also just go to patreon.com/slash/the-short-game and find it there. Uh, and all of our patrons get access to our Discord. Uh, which is our community. It's where we talk about games. It's where we plan episodes. Uh, it's where we get most of the suggestions for things that we cover on this show. And uh, if you want those suggestions too, that's one of the nice things about our Discord is people are in there recommending and talking about games with each other, even ones that we're not covering on the show, um, because it's a great community of like-minded short game enthusiasts. Uh, so join us there. We would love to have you. Uh, let's see. Uh, you can also find, uh, well, I mentioned shortgame.fm. That's where we got links to all the stuff. Another great way to support the show uh, if you just want to make sure that it's out there and uh, and people are finding it, which we really appreciate, uh, leave us a review. Most of the podcast platforms have an option to leave reviews. Um, uh, was it um, uh, Spotify added that last year? Uh, and uh, we're, we've gotten some and it's been nice, uh, but we could always use more. Uh, reviews do apparently make a lot of difference in people's discovery of the show. So we really appreciate that. Uh, post about the show on whatever social media you're still uh, subjecting yourself to. Uh, we really appreciate that sort of engagement as well. If you like an episode, post on, post it about it someplace. Let people know that you like this show. Uh, if you see somebody out there on social media saying, hmm, I need a short video game. Uh, you know, slide into their DMs for us, guys. But that's that's uh, this is this show has mostly grown by uh, word of mouth over over time, and uh, we would love to see that continue to happen so we can keep bringing it to you. Um, let's see. You can find all of our stuff on shortgame.fm. You can find me uh, on the web at reagan.me. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N.me. And it's got links there to all of my various different links and stuff, including my Macedon, which is the social media I post on the most. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Mastodon, Laura J. Nash at Bird Up Rodeo. Also, I'm arguably more active on Blue Sky, Laura J. Nash there as well. Uh, Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on all the different social medias at NateSTL. And Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Mastodon at Shane at Bird.Rodeo and on Threads at uh, 8BitShane. And uh, listeners, thank you once again for joining us on this special episode of The Short Game.